This is Bloomberg Business Interactive Broker Studio and Radio. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business app. And BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Business Express from Bloomberg Radio. Sports need to be consumed live. And that's a big competitive advantage for intellectual property holders of sports content in the media landscape. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. All right, guys. I'm back from yep. Vegas, uh, alive and well, and I uh, went down some rabbit holes this weekend. So I want to talk to you about that. want to talk about the rest of the sports world because, as you said, uh, Lynchy, so much going on. London, Vegas, everywhere uh, in between. Uh, let me start by telling you what I was up to, and, and then we can uh, yeah. break it down a little bit. Um, so I went to Vegas to primarily to work on a, a piece that will be coming out this fall, about the UFC, so I really um, spent a lot of time around Dana White and his crew, Ooh. and and all of this obviously was uh, centered around the the massive fight that happened on Saturday night, which turned out to be a little bit anticlimactic. We can talk a little bit about that between Dustin Poirier and <clears throat> Conor McGregor, and it was quite a thing to be in Vegas for all of this, and and a real understanding for me, a new understanding for me is to just how massive a business the UFC is. Um, and I also got to catch up uh, with our friend Ice Cube, who was on this program last weekend and last week to see the big three in action that was happening at the Orleans uh, Arena and Casino just outside, just off the strip. Um, so I saw him. I uh, got to chat with him a little bit, and uh, I tell you, the big three is even cooler than than I thought it was going to be, <laughs> in terms of the quality of play, but also just just the vibe of it. So it was really something to be in Vegas because you know, in addition to that stuff happening, you had the uh, USA basketball team; they were playing. Uh, you've got. Uh, a whole any number of concerts uh, that are going on so and obviously the sports books were just humming as you can imagine with everything going on whether it was Wimbledon um, or the uh, or the English the England versus Italy final for for the Euros so I, I don't know I, I guess Lynchy I would ask you how did it look from from the outside? Because you know, when you're in it, you feel like, well, every, everybody in the world is must be looking at this. But I don't know if that was true. I think the eyes of the sports world were uh, split in two places, as you said, in Vegas and in over in London. So much going on in both cities. We'll start where you were, right there. The Big Three basketball and the UFC um, banged out arena for uh, the Sean McGregor Poirier f- f- fight. And uh, the big three played uh, three, one, two, three games, right? In Vegas and three in, in New Orleans. So, yes. So, <clears throat> my, yeah, so my question going... is, why did you come home? <laughs> I was very tired. Um, and, and, and most of it, most of it was done. I mean, I, I will tell you, I mean, from, from the UFC perspective, it, it's interesting because you know, we like to unpack things, obviously, from from the business perspective. And, you know, we've talked about how there are all these elements that become media events and fan events. 
And that was one of the most fascinating things that I have to say that I didn't expect, which was Thursday afternoon, we showed up to T-Mobile Arena. And we've all been to lots and lots of, you know, pre-game, pre-whatever press conferences, right? The press conference for the UFC, for a big UFC fight, um, for the for the main event in this case, Poirier-McGregor, was in the arena. I mean, and there were give or take 5,000 people there, right? you know, and, and by the way, these are 5,000 people who stood out in the, no exaggeration, 110, 112 degree heat waiting to get in for, for basically a, a 30 minute performance, as it were, featuring um, Dustin and Connor and Dana White, you know, kind of keeping them apart. And it just, you can feel it building. It's highly produced, and you've got people chanting and, and so excited about it. You know, one interesting thing that somebody told me about the crowd, which, of course, was sold out 20,000-plus on Saturday night, the biggest sporting event in terms of attendance, we were told, um, in the history of T-Mobile Arena. Now, it's only been around for a few years, but it does, um, you know, this it's the same arena that's the host to the very successful Golden Knights. But the crowd was uh, largely domestic, interestingly enough. A lot of times for a McGregor fight, you get a whole bunch of people coming over from, from Ireland, but many, many fewer of that crowd just because, as you mentioned earlier, um, Lynchy, the, the COVID protocols make international travel a little tricky. So, <laughs> I mean, it was ferocious. The fans are, you know, in full effect around the UFC. And, and if you're sleeping on that as a business, you are, you are missing something. Michael Barr. I mean, it, it really, I think, is reminiscent culturally and socioeconomically to you know what boxing was when I think all of us were growing up. Man, think of it, Lynchy, Jason, Mr. I was hanging out, man, with Ice Cube, and I went to the UFC fight, and I was in Las Vegas. You just, you just, how did my father used to say it? It's like, you just know, don't know what to do with yourself now, do you, man? That is great, man. What a, what a great, yeah, I am like Lynchy. Why did you come back, man? Yeah. That was very good. No, you, you know, it, it is, it, it's great, and as you mentioned, and we're talking about that, as you said, that you got a full crowd there. And obviously, uh, Dana White is obviously pleased because uh, it shows that uh, a major sport is back. And it, it's, this, uh, it's the sport now that even though it was kind of anticlimactic, uh, people were still totally, totally interested in it. Uh, you know, and McGregor, I guess he has a, a broken leg now out of that whole thing. Uh, yeah, so yeah. so let's talk about that. I mean, yeah. because f- from an from an economic and a business implication, you know, Conor McGregor not just losing, but losing rather anticlimactically, the end of the first round, ra- at the very end of the first round, and, and I will tell you, in the arena, it was obviously a little bit unclear as to exactly what was going on. It looked like he was quite literally saved by the bell. Um, Poirier was. Was when he definitely won the first round. Um, I think on on every judge's card, um, McGregor is down. I, I was sort of on the other side of the arena from the from the side of the octagon that he had gone down in. So he was down. He wasn't getting up, and then it was clear, and a bunch of people were texting me, basically saying, "Looks like he he broke his leg." And mm. and by all accounts, or by the best accounts. It looks like he broke his his lower tibia, um, mm-hmm. 
initially fractured it by with a kick and then when he went back on it after missing a a shot um it just it just snapped i mean not to be too graphic about it but um it you know it does raise big questions you know this is a guy who's in his early 30s he is extraordinarily wealthy he is the highest paid athlete in the world uh, for the year 2020, owing to both what he won in the octagon uh, or, you know, what he won for fighting, but also uh, for the sale of his liquor brand that he's associated with called Proper 12. And um, hard to say, you know, when he's coming back and, and in what form. I will tell you, it is undisputed that he is the biggest star in the UFC and probably the biggest star the UFC has ever had. Now, what Dana White and others would say is every time there's been a big star, whether it was Ronda Rousey um, or others, there's always been the question, well, you know, how are you ever going to replace that person? Conor McGregor, he's one of one, as they say. And uh, so I do think there there are some big question marks as to, you know, how and when he comes back and what his association is uh, going forward. But um, I don't know. I mean, Lynchy, it sounds like you did. You weren't among the uh, one to one point seven or so million people who who paid for uh, paid for the pay per view, but it didn't feel like there was too much disappointment because there was a lot of content. You know, I think what this does is sets up a great story coming up, his comeback, and that's yeah. going to be built up. I mean, the UFC is they, they're great in marketing, they're great in promotion. And the anticipation of Conor McGregor coming back, there's going to be documentaries. Okay, I'm now with physical therapy. I'll be back, you know, and the first opponent, uh, who's, whose head am I going to tear off? Will it be a rematch with Poirier? Or will it be uh, somebody else, If uh, the, 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 the current champion? It looks like he says he'll be back in six months or so. I think the buildup and the anticipation for his return is is all green light and all good for the UFC. Yeah. It definitely, it definitely has that potential, um, potential to be. And, and in the meantime, you know, do you see other, other uh, players step forward? I mean, it is fascinating too because this is such a machine. The UFC, you know, they're fighting next in Houston in, in early August. Then they go back to Abu Dhabi, I believe, and then they'll be here in New York uh, later in the year. So the it just builds and builds and builds they had a big sponsorship deal that they announced uh last week with crypto.com being the first time they've had an exclusive sort of kit sponsor meaning every fighter and his or her team you know wore essentially the same thing coming in and uh so it was uh it was really something and i will say just to shift gears a little bit going back to the big three you know i have to say and i don't know if you guys felt this way when i when we had our conversation with Cube, I was like, yeah, I want to stop by and sort of see it. And I, I imagined it to be, you know, kind of a cool little thing. It's a big production. And, you know, there were there were fans in the stands for sure. It's very rowdy in the best possible way. I mean, it really is as if you took a playground game and, and essentially said – what if I took a playground game, put it on the best court that I could, had the best production values, put it in an arena, and just, like, let it fly? And it's just a really interesting vibe, and you walk around, and I think we, we talked about this with Cube, you know, you walk around, and you're like, oh, my God, you know, that guy played in the NBA, that guy played in the NBA. I mean, my moment was I walked out into the tu- through the tunnel onto the floor, and I look up, and I'm like, huh. 
huh, that's Dr. J. <laughs> I mean, who's one of the coaches? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, and it's, it's so incredible. I got a chance to talk with him a little bit afterwards. And, uh, you know, he basically said, and, and this speaks to, I think, the power of the not just the idea but the personalities behind it i asked him i said how'd you get involved in this he's like cube called me and uh you know it sounded like fun i love the game and so there he is i mean julia serving like that's no joke so i I really feel like this flywheel is starting to turn you know interestingly just from an anecdotal perspective you know one of my brothers texted me and was like hey you know some players that we love are, are watching the big three and so then very obnoxiously I text him and I was like, I'm standing next to Dr. J. And he's like, okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, but in any case, so, I mean, it's on CBS. People are watching it. And uh, I, I was surprised on the upside at how good the product was. I'm just amazed that any team named Three-Headed Monsters, man. I, I, I love that. That, that is great. <laughs> it's, yeah, and, and I do think it's, it's interesting, you know, this blend of celebrity and, and – um, and clearly the the money is there, Lynchy, because if you go yeah. back and, and listen to uh, the conversation we had with Cube, they were about to announce another big sponsor when we talked to him. And, and that sponsor is Microsoft. <laughs> so it's not oh, – okay. I mean, they're not getting, you know, sort of small names. So they've got the likes of Microsoft and Toyota, I believe, who was an existing sponsor. You know, they're there. So it's blue chip names for sure. You know, he and I talked, uh, Cube and I talked that day about how, you know, that's something they're really continuing to work hard on in, in addition to bringing in new investors. These media deals are, are huge for them. And, you know, even seeing it pop up in some of the sports newsletters that we all subscribe to, that it's something that, that folks are paying attention to, I also left there thinking – It'll be interesting the recruiting that the players and the coaches will do because if you were to get I'm making this up just because it's it's a name that we both know if you were to, that we all know if if you get a an Iverson or somebody of that quality or, or one of the current mm-hmm. crop of stars to sign on to do that this thing could really it could really blow up. I'll give you three letters that will tell you how this league is going to go C B S. When you sign on with CBS and they broadcast your games, you are legitimate. Mm, CBS yeah. isn't isn't going to broadcast, you know, um, uh, Australian rules football like ESPN did in its infancy. When you get on CBS, you are legitimate, and they're on a schedule, and they're going to play uh, every week uh, for, for through September, I think. Right. And right. I, I saw the schedule, and that's that legitimizes you. It says, okay, I, you know what? I'm flipping through. It's on CBS. I'm going to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and just to to pivot back briefly, and then we'll move on to other sports beyond my Great Vegas adventure. But, you know, (laughs) it's also very clear. And and as I said, I was obviously down the rabbit hole with the UFC and and, uh, consuming all things UFC. But one of the things that I certainly noted was if you if you're any sort of sports fan, almost inevitably, I think inevitably you were going to be looking at what's happening on ESPN. You could not watch ESPN, click on anything related to ESPN, and not know that there was a big UFC fight. That's because right. ESPN is now the rights holder for, for UFC. That has always been the goal. It was clear in talking to, to Dana and others uh, about the the hopes and dreams of the UFC all along. And being on ESPN, to take your exact point, Lynchy, on, on Big 3 – 
really legitimizes and widens UFC's reach in, in a meaningful way. Now, to watch the to watch the main card, those last five fights, which which culminated obviously in Poirier McGregor, you you had to do the pay per view, which was sixty nine ninety nine. Um, but everything leading up to that, and let me tell you, especially on ESPN Plus, there is an endless array of UFC content. I mean, you you cannot you, you could spend days and days uh, watching all that, and so flipping that around fascinating to think about it from the ESPN perspective. ESPN Plus has been like, yeah, okay, it's going okay. We're trying to figure it out. UFC has been jet fuel for that. So there's there's a lot of um a lot of interesting business storylines uh here for sure. Um meanwhile, let's shift briefly before we wrap to to the other center of sports, Lynchy. London, uh obviously mm. with the Euro finals at Wembley, but you know, let's not sleep on Wimbledon. Uh, Djokovic no. is now, you know, in the pantheon. I mean, he was in the pantheon before, but now he's legitimately, you know, tied with his, his fellows, uh, Nadal and Federer, for most Grand Slams, and is will be going here in New York for a calendar slam. And listen, I, I read this this morning. He may not be the most likable guy to many, but you have to respect what what he's done, and he just picked that bracket apart and he's a guy that comes roaring back he is uh, you, you know he's like a snake you got to cut his head off in those first two sets or rather he is not going away and he came roaring back after losing the first set and now he's got 20 grand slams and this is going to be high high drama because the last man to win a grand slam in the calendar year was rod laver back in 1969 so yeah. i mean everything djokovic does in this U.S. Open coming up in the fall is going to be magnified a hundred times fold. Yeah, yeah. It was a really, it was really interesting to to watch you know Wimbledon from afar, and obviously I was on on West Coast time. I was watching it very yeah. early um, in the morning <laughs> and watching it watching it all play out, and uh, but still captured a, a huge amount of attention. And, and as you say, you know, if you're if you're thinking about the U.S. Open from a business perspective, it is you know. It, that's a good story. It's it's a rich storyline, as it were, if you're going to have uh, have some history potentially being made there, both in terms of the the sheer volume of Grand Slams won, you know, holding that record on his own, but then a historic. Uh, I mean, it's amazing. You have to go back to labor to to get yeah. that. But yeah, um, in and it's case, in New York. It's in New York. You know, it's not over in Melbourne. Right. It's in New York. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So a lot of lot of excitement. I mean, I'm I yep. personally can't wait to to get out to to Flushing Meadows for that. And it's a, it's we've talked about it on this show before. It's the quintessential uh, sports event in New York City. All right, Bar. Any final thoughts from you? I I do like it because Djokovic he he did at the post match interview. I mean he paid tribute to as he put it yeah. Rafa and Roger and 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 I think yes and you, you guys said it earlier it's like yeah okay he can he can be McGruff at times but you look at it and and you see him it's like man you are awesome you you can play this game yeah. big time and and to to match twenty on uh, with the uh, of all the uh, the opens I mean. My goodness, that that the Grand Slams that that that's doing something. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports.
And I'm Mike Lynch, still wondering if what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> you can follow me at Lynchy WCVB, Jason. And I'm Jason Kelly at Jason Kelly News. <laughs> I wish I had uh, more salacious stories from Vegas, but it just shows how much of a nerd I am. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports in Vegas and beyond. I don't know, Lynchy. I heard a rumor about a teddy bear. But anyway, uh, you're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world and online, wherever you get your podcasts.